What's up, what's up, what's up? Hopefully everyone had a fantastic week. My week was all over the place. I'm going to tell you about some of it. But let's get into a lot. We've got, um, I'm going to tell you about my run-in with some anti-vaxxers, anti-maskers, a.k.a. weirdos. (laughs) Um, Also want to talk about the Shikari Richardson situation and what that means for her. So let's get into all that right now. All right, you guys, once again, I'm Jackie Ray. Thanks for tuning in to At The Half right here on Backstage or wherever you listen to your podcast. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Fanatic. What is going on with you guys? How you feeling? Are you safe? I think I have to ask that because I look, let me tell you something. I have been going through it. So one of the cool things about my life, the way that it stands right now is I've kind of done things on my own terms. So what does that mean? So I moved to LA in 2006, moved out here with the band to be a singer. We had some success in that, but I think I realized fairly early on that I wasn't, I wasn't built to make the compromises that I feel you really do have to make in order to have a level of success in that industry. I'm not saying everyone had to make those compromises who are successful. I'm saying that the road that I was on every real solid get you to the next level opportunity that came across my path put me in a situation that I didn't necessarily want to be in. So, you know, once realizing that, then I just went the independent route, released, I think two albums, I actually have four. There's two albums that were never released that are so dope. And I'm still trying to talk to that producer so we can release those, but um, released two albums on my own and then kind of went back to what my degree's in, which is journalism started working freelance, a lot of freelance problem with freelance. You can't really get paid that way. I mean, you do, but it's, it's a struggle. Um, so I ended up doing like property management, part-time, uh, brand ambassador, part-time went back to modeling a little bit. It was just doing a lot. Like I was working a lot, a lot, but in that I started building up my own platform that got me to the point where I got that phone call from the station in Saipan, which is overseas, went there for two years, came back, ended up working for the Fumble. And now I work for several different news outlets, don't have to do anything but journalism at this point, which is exciting for me. It's exciting to have health insurance, (laughs) dental insurance, making good money that I can live in a a nice place. And so it's it's definitely a turning point in my life. But with that, again, these opportunities that I have received came from me being my genuine self. My genuine self is militant. Um, I know people see that as a bad word. I don't see that as a bad word. I am very pro-black. Everything that I do is trying to build not only for myself, but for my community and people who look like me. That is my main objective in life. I am unbothered by people who feel some type of way about those endeavors or that word militant. That's just who I am. I'm not anti anybody, but I'm pro black. So for me to openly express that in all of the things that I move in and for me to still get these opportunities, 
was so refreshing to me because I felt like I didn't, cause I, you know, I'm from Colorado. So my real name, I'm sure you guys figured out is Jacqueline. And I was named that because my mom wanted me to not have a black name. She wanted me, she wanted people to look at my resume and think that I was white. So with my mom having that mindset, you can imagine how phenomenal my code switching is. And I don't have like a hood vernacular by any stretch of the imagination, but there's a certain level of bass in your voice you have to take out when you're being Becky and you have to sound a little happier and very welcoming and passive, dare I say. And like, you're just really there to do whatever possible to make people not be uncomfortable with you being black. And I, and I killed it. I was probably one of the best code switchers in the game until I got older. And I'm like that, you know, that's, ridiculous to me because we over here code switching, they're adopting who we are naturally and calling it trendy. But when we do it, it's threatening. So I'm anti-code switch. If you Cardi B, be Cardi B all the time. Be you. I'm no more code switching for black folks. No, that's ridiculous. And if you're in a situation where you feel like you have to code switch, you need to find a company that's black owned, black operated. That's going to let you be you. I'm, I'm no, I'm done with this whole, let's try to appease them when we've never been appeased. Joe Biden out here got this uh, signing all these executive orders. Not one of them have to do anything about us. We had every Democrat talking about they understood that our police is jacked up, that it is a racist organization and they need to be revamped. And all of them were talking about defunding. 100% of those Democrats signed a bill against that. So these people are just placating us. Let me be clear about that and say that again. We are being placated. We have no allies. Maybe two. I've counted two allies that I really believe but they're not politicians. These are just activists that work outside of politics. We have zero, we have zero allies in the police department, zero allies in the justice system, zero political allies. I said what I said. I'm not wrong in that. It's <laughs> just so you know, but to have that understanding and to, to be picked up by fairly well-established platforms under the caveat that they wanted to be me was very refreshing. So let's fast forward to, um, what was it last weekend? I went out, there was this anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers rally. They called it a protest. Here's the thing that throws me off about anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers. They're saying that their freedoms have been infringed upon. I would bet my last good dollar that these people that are talking about their freedoms were infringed upon are not pro-black. They're not pro-changing the justice system. In fact, there is one gentleman at this anti-vaxxers rally who is a professor in, in the university school system in Long Beach who thinks that George Zimmerman did the right thing in killing Trayvon Martin. So this now I'm, I'm saying that because this gentleman was at the, the rally that I did. There was a, a, a white guy there, clearly a member of Proud Boy. If you want to go check him out, he is on my Instagram very racist man. You can tell that he had difficulties even wanting to articulate anything to me. Um, his whole demeanor not only spoke that, but the clothing that he wore lets you know that he he frequents sites that are very racist. So he, I interviewed him and I said, you know, don't we have to kind of take care of people who could be impacted by this virus because he doesn't want to wear a mask. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to get va vaccinated. Um, and he's, his exact quote is on my Instagram. So please go check it out. But basically he said, no, not if it infringes on my freedom. So basically for him, if 
wearing a mask protects someone else. That is not his concern because his freedom is more important than protecting another American. And this, this, this man all over his being talking about he's a patriot. That's the most non-patriotic thing you could say. When you don't give a damn about your fellow Americans, most non-patriotic thing you can say. So I posted that on my Instagram. I posted his little arrogant, racist, ignorant quote on my Instagram. And I'm, I meant what I said. This gentleman who is a professor in, in the school system decided to email my job and tell them he wanted me fired immediately because I was a race baiter. I would bet my last dollar he doesn't even know the definition of that. And I don't know how this man became a professor because he's not the most intelligent person that I've come across in my life. On top of that, this man is another one of those people that talks about freedom this, freedom that but felt that since he did not have the freedom to post on my page, because you don't have that freedom on my page because my settings don't allow it. If I don't check for you, you can't, you can't comment on my page. Let me, my page, just like my mama said, my house, my rules, my Instagram, my rules. I don't give a damn about most people that would want to comment on that, on that post because most people who wanted to comment on that post the way that he did are beneath me. And I mean that you are, you are not at my level. You are not somebody that I want to work with. You are not somebody that I want to be in the same room with. You are not somebody that I want to break bread with thereby. Why would I care what you have to say? So here comes the, the moment in my life where I was, I had to, had to make a decision because I knew a conversation was coming because not only did he email my job and want me fired, he said I had committed libel, which is interesting because he's not even the person in the video. The funny thing about that is the little dude that is in the video, he sent me a couple of racist messages, created a fake page so he could do it, sent me a couple of racist messages. And then when I was done with him, he was done with it. I mean, at least if you're going to be stupid, be that level of stupid, you know, be racist for a couple of comments and then go on about your little racist life. This man's claiming he's not a racist, but he thinks black lives don't matter. He thinks Trayvon is supposed to die. And he thinks that the black woman is a race baiter. Again, ignorance. You are beneath me. So I knew that this conversation was going to happen with my job. So then here, here, here comes that your mom is in your head situation. Because in my head, I was like, well, I'm not taking, you know, everybody that I talked to about the situation was like, well, don't, you know, don't take off your nose and smite your face. I still don't really understand that phrase, but whatever, basically don't shoot yourself in the foot. If they tell you to take it down and issue an apology, then take it down and issue an apology. What do I hate? I talk about this on the show all the time. What do I hate? Fake apologies. I would not. And I am not taking down something that I meant that I 100% stand by from my page to appease some know nothing guy who I believe is beneath me. He's not even on my educational level. He can't even articulate what he is trying to articulate with tr without trying to get somebody fired because they don't agree with his ridiculous rhetoric. So absolutely not. I'm not going to acquiesce to that request. I'm not going to do it. So then it becomes this situation of, do I want to go in there and be Jackie Ray or do I want to go in there and be Jacqueline? And be Little Miss, like, okay, well, you know, I didn't mean it like that, blah, 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 blah. So then it was this whole mind thing. So driving out there, it was like, you know, no, y'all hired me for me. This is me. Either you back me or you support me or you don't. So here is the most, I don't know if I want to say crossroad. I don't know what the right word for it is. This is probably the weirdest point of my life. 
which is such a huge blessing, right? So I went in there trying not to be Malcolmina because, you know, Malcolmina has a certain demeanor when she walks in the room. And it's, it's scary to a lot of people. So I had to try to, I guess, code switch a little bit and like, let me just go in there and be Jackie Ray and let me try to keep Malcolmina at bay. So I went in there and I sat down knowing that I'm, I'm not, not relenting on this. I'm just not. Y'all knew what you got when you hired me. And that's basically what they said. They, my boss said one thing that resonated with me in a way that I was like, okay, this is neat. She's like, I think you are used to doing things on your own. You are used to being a lone gunman. And we want you to know that we are here to support you. You're not, you're not in trouble in any way. However, because I got threats as well. It, you know, this one guy that wants to get me fired, I mean, he can go pound sand, he can go play on the highway. But I also got threats of wait till we see you out in public, wait till we do this, wait till you um we see you, you're gonna be by yourself somewhere, or you're gonna be at a school board meeting. I just got all these ridiculous threats. And so she said, we we want to make sure that we support you and we want to make sure that you're safe. So we're, we're going to have to figure out a way now that we kind of know that this is you and this is how you're going to be out in the world. We need to figure out a way to support you. So for me, being black and looking across and not, it's not a black person who's saying this to me, was amazing. It was the most amazing thing that I had felt in a long time. It's one of the reasons why I start building my own company because I honestly feel like that's the only way that I could actually be my authentic self is building my own stuff. But that was very reassuring. And I'm telling you guys this story because I feel like a lot of us feel like we have to change who we are in order to get, in order to navigate this corporate world in order to make sure that we get paid. A lot of that is true. But I still believe in my heart of hearts that we live in a country that loves black culture, but they don't love black people. And we're going to have to make them decide that they need to love both because we're not changing our culture in your corporate situation. So you are comfortable. We are the, what you love out in the world is what you're going to get in the corporate world, because it's, it's infuriating to me to think we have to separate the two. So I'm telling you guys this story so you can be encouraged and so you can understand that you as your authentic authentic self, you are beautiful. You are somebody that is, is going to empower other people. You are fantastic. You have a story that no one else can tell because it's exclusively you. So you need to tell it and you need to be you and you need to walk in, in the awesomeness that is you. And I just wanted to make sure that I encourage you that and send you, I got into the weekend that way. Um, we get back, we're going to talk about Shikari which she's walking. I don't think she's walking in her authentic self. I think she's walking in a level of hurt that we need to address. So let's get into it. When we come back. It's summer. Are you ready? Because that means it's time for that custom braid style that has you looking flawless as you walk on the beach or sit poolside. Braiders, did you know a cosmetology license is not required for braiding services? So set up your Custom Cuts partner account today and make sure your next client is a custom client. Available on Google Play and iOS. Once again, I'm your girl, Jackie Ray. You're listening to me on Backstage or wherever you find your podcast, including 
I, the iHeartRadio app. Um, once again, follow me on all things social media at JRayTheFanatic. Go check out that tweet that I was talking about in the last segment. It's interesting. Um, and people are just funny to me. I don't even understand the whole thing of, of even engaging in people that you don't like, but that's just me. Let's move on to Shikari, though. I believe, and I could be wrong, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but from what I'm seeing, I would bet my last dollar that Shikari Richardson does not have a PR team. Not at all. Now, we all saw that she got she came in dead last last weekend she got the brakes beat off her it's like i mean it was literally like tenths of a second but tenths of a second in track you guys know it looks like you got the brakes beat off you obviously if you didn't see i'm sure you've seen it even if you didn't see the race i'm sure you've seen her her post-race interview because it's been circulating all over the internet um and then she just basically hung on to this whole, I'm the sixth fastest woman in the world. Can't nobody take that from me. And in my head, I'm like, except for the people who just took it from you, (laughs) you know? So even if she had ran her fastest time to, for the Olympics, she would have still come, came in fifth. So that, that interview bothered me. It showed that there's deeper, in my opinion, there's deeper mental issues going on with Shikari. But I could allow it because of two reasons. Number one, I really, really like Shikari. So I could make some, not a lot, but some excuses for that post-race interview. Number two, the journalist should not have interviewed her right after that race. Absolutely not should have interviewed her. Um, Elaine Thompson, hurrah, won that's who should have been interviewed. You always interview the winner first. I forget the other young lady's first name, but I know her last name is Price. She came in second. She should have been interviewed second. And then you get to Shikari. And then hopefully whatever nonsense that is floating through Shikari's head at that moment would die down because she's the third person to get interviewed. So I could have left it at that. I could have left it at, oh, you know what? She's young. She clearly doesn't know how to articulate herself or handle herself in the public eye. We can address that. And I could have left it at that and we could have all moved on. But the reason why we can't is because Shikari's out here doing the absolute disrespectful most. And I know you guys know who little Wayne is. And I know y'all know how that man looks. That man, if I woke up and that man was standing over me, I would have, I would think I died and went to the pit of hell. He's terrifying. That man is not easy on the eyes at all. He's scary to me. If he's coming down the alley one way, I'm trying to run out the other. That man is terrifying to me. He's not pleasant to look at by any stretch of the imagination. So this person on Twitter, because the Jamaicans is living their best life. Now, I will say this. I have not seen any of the Jamaican uh, erasers say anything disparaging about Shikari. I haven't seen them say one thing bad about her. I've seen them kind of gloat in their own win um, and gloat just as the Jamaicans went out there and dominated. I've seen that. I'm not saying that there's no shade out there, but technically because I haven't seen any shade, now I have to check the date. If they do start throwing shade Shikari's way, now I got to check the date because anything that came after Wednesday is warranted in, in my mind because she has been out here this whole week being insanely disrespectful. So this first one, like I said, y'all know who Lil Wayne is. This first user on Twitter said something crazy to the effect of, 
Um, oh, I think he was talking about that second person. I think he said, so that would be price. The, but the second person who won the, um, the race, let me find this, this one. And so I can read it to you exactly because, oh, it says, um, that the, yeah, the, the Jamaicans out here looking like little Wayne and Shakari Richardson liked it. That, no, no. Cause see, here's the thing. When you, when you hit celebrity status, I don't know why people just kind of all, I, I've never done that. And I guess I'm just gonna have to start like going to people and please, if you go to my Twitter, don't go looking at the stuff that I like. If you don't want your feelings hurt, because I like things that I like now. Something like this I would have never liked. I probably would have responded like, that's disrespectful. How dare you call these women ugly? Because to me, that's the level, again, when you're saying black women look like something like that, to me, that has a level of mm, in it that I just don't, I can't really wrap my my head around, right? So then, like I said, she's been holding on to the fact that she's the sixth fastest person in the world. And I've, but when you, when you go out and call other black women ugly, and l- let me be clear, when you like that tweet, that's exactly what you're saying. You saying that these women are ugly women. That's embarrassing. In my opinion, it's embarrassing because you're supposed to be striving to get better at what you do. You should respect your fellow competitors that are in the sport and you should be just a better all around human being than to go out here and call women who beat the brakes off you ugly. That is, that is so beneath you, Shikari. Well, maybe it's not, maybe this is just who you are. Um, but it's a lot. So again, I was going to let that pass. I was going to let it pass. But then Stephen A. Smith was um, co-hosting. He was filling in on the Jimmy Kimmel show. And then he had Miss Allison um, Felix on there. For those of you guys who don't know, Allison Felix, she has been in every Olympics since 2004. She has seven gold medals, three silvers, and a bronze. She owns her own business. She was on the cover of Time. She's got her, her own shoe deal. Like, the girl is living her best life. So Stephen A. decided that he wanted to ask her a question. He wanted to ask her, you know, specifically what, you know, because everyone's seeing what's going on with Shikari. So he wanted to ask her, what do you think is going on? Like, what do you think we should do? in regards to Shakari Richardson. And I just want you guys to take a listen to, to her response. What message would you like to say about her personally and about what she endured being an Olympian? Yeah, I or know supposed, that. supposed to be an Olympian. Yeah, I know that she's obviously been through so much. And so I hope that she's just supported. You know, I hope people rally around her. Obviously, she has a great personality and she's brought in a lot of attention to the sport. And I think she'll be in the sport for a very long time. And so I think just more than anything, you know, for all athletes, there's so much that goes into it. Mm-hmm. Um, we just, you know, give her the support that she needs. I got now, that's beautiful to me. Give her the support that she needs. Now, keep in mind, this was said after you went out here, called these women ugly, basically, and had that ridiculous interview. Basically, since you basically showed your whole behind, Allison Felix still came out here and said this about you, said that we just need to rally around her. We need to give her support. She said you had a great personality, which is amazing to me, because at this point, there's no real evidence of that because you out here acting crazy. So that is what you call support. That is what you say, hey, this is my sister in this business. And I need to make sure that other people make sure that she's okay. So Shikari then decided that her words, I would have taken that to me. And I understand that we're all different. But for me, that would have been one of those things where I had to kind of take a take a look at myself. I would have had to go inward and say, you know what? I've been out here shading all these 
these my fellow track stars, female fellow track stars. And for what, you know, now we've got this basically goat out here telling me that telling other people that I just need support. But instead, Shikari went on her social media and she said, encouraging words on TV shows are just as real as, well, nothing at all. Something's wrong with Shikari. I don't have anything else to say outside of that. Something is wrong with Shikari because after that, then she leveled up again. And then she liked a tweet that has racist undertones. This person on Twitter said, not y'all Jamaicans still talking crap when y'all got to walk barefoot to a coconut stand every day for a living and look and look who liked it. Shikari Richardson liked it again. So you write, you liking tweets that are calling these women ugly. You, you liking tweets that are racist in nature and you're shading an Olympic goat. She's got more, she's got more medals than Carl Lewis and you're shading Alex. I don't understand. I understand that Shikari has been through a lot, but I don't understand the shade that you are giving to other black women. Not only that other black women who are better than you, let's just call it, Let's just say what it is. Shikari sixth fastest. They don't give medals for that. Unless you out here trying to get medals for running your mouth too much. You, I mean, you, you talking yourself out of a lot. And I'm just going to say, Shikari, we, we were all pulling for you. You're, you remind us all of flow Joe. We love that. But you got to do better because what we can't do is allow you to continue to disrespect black women when we out here pulling for black women. You're becoming a problem now on every single level. And, and, and she needs a PR person. She and somebody need to take her phone. Don't please don't let me come on Monday and see Shakari tweeted this or don't don't do that. Somebody go take that child's phone. Get her out on the track. Let her run off this aggression. And on top of that, get her some therapy. And I'm not even saying that to be funny. I think all of us need some sort of therapy. I've been looking for a therapist myself. And I'll tell you what I said in that first segment really kind of pushed me into understanding that. Because when my, when my boss came to me and said, hey, we, you're a lone gunman. You're used to working by yourself. That resonated with me because that's not just a professional thing. That's a life thing. For some reason, I move by myself and I feel like I am better when I move by myself. That's weird. That's weird. I need to talk to somebody about that. Shikari, you're lashing out at black women. You're a black woman who wanted everybody to stand behind you because you're a black woman. And now you're lashing out at black women. That's weird. You need to talk to somebody about that. So go talk to somebody and get better. But please don't do nothing else over this weekend on, on your social media, please. And thank you. All right, you guys, when we come back, we're going to talk about COVID and all these variants and what's going on in the world around us and what is possible to come. So once again, I'm Jackie Ray. This is Backstage and iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio app. I'll see you in just a second. All right, you guys, once again, welcome back to At The Half. I'm your girl, Jackie Ray. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, make sure you subscribe no matter where you are. Hit that subscribe button so you can follow me. Go head on over to YouTube. Check me out on YouTube as well. Uh, make sure you check out the Fumble Live, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Monday through Friday. Let's just get into this. And this one, I'm just going to throw a ton of my opinion into this one because I feel this is a we're in a very interesting time. And I have to admit that personally, 
And I don't know why I thought this, especially as militant as I am. And I, I don't see the world for what it could be. I see it for what it is. And what it is is a very divided world. Here in America, it's a very racist country. And I have said from day one that I don't think that that's going to change ever. But there was a side of me that once the pandemic hit, and I'm not talking about immediately. So we went into lockdown March of 2020. When we were still suffering from this about a year later, then I started to think, okay, as a country, and not the world, but as a country, we this is going to unite us. This is going to be one of those things where we we are going to understand that something that's bigger than us, that we had no control over, really affected us in a way that we were not ready for. I mean, we would have been ready for if y'all had paid more attention to Obama, but that's another story for another day. We were not ready for. And so I thought once the world started to open up, now this is this is definitely my optimism. I thought we would be so excited to get back to some sense of normal that we would want to look out for one another. We would want to protect each other. We would want to make sure that we never had to go back into this lockdown. Now, to be fair, I know there's a lot of conspiracy theorists. I'm definitely one of them. I don't necessarily, I feel a little bit better. Let me take that back. I feel a lot better now that the FDA has officially approved the Pfizer vaccine. For me, to be getting a vaccine that wasn't FDA approved was just weird to me. And even with an FDA approval, we know that FDA is still part of big pharma. So there's just a lot, a lot of historical reasons why this vaccine coming out so quickly was problematic to me. I feel like a lot of the science is like the Bible. Some of it makes sense. Some of it doesn't. And some of it you can pick and choose from to make it make sense the way you want it to make sense. So when I did my personal research and I, I let me let me just be clear. The reason why I got the vaccine. So just so we're clear, I am fully vaccinated. Um, so there's two major reasons why I became fully vaccinated. It was not something that I initially wanted to do. It's still not something that I wanted to do. There's two reasons that I did. Number one, there were some things that I was not going to be able to do professionally if I wasn't vaccinated. And because even though I still have these jobs now and, and my money's okay because I have these regular jobs, I'm still trying to build my own platform. I'm still trying to build my own media platform. So that means that I'm going into a lot of professional sporting events, not as a member of the media outlets that I work for, but as a member, a media person from J-Ray Productions. So I'm still trying to build up J-Ray Productions so I can't have J-Ray Productions be looked over simply because I'm not vaccinated. So there was a level of professionalism in that. The second reason, and I'm going to tell you the day that I got it, because even when I came to that, um, that resolve that I probably needed to get the vaccine, if I didn't want it to be counted out of these locker room pressers and being able to get into certain games and SoFi and, and um, the Staples centers and thing, things of that nature. If I didn't, if I didn't want to do that, I was out one day, I was covering an event where they were having, they were giving out shots. They were specifically trying to reach the black and Latino community. And here come these racist white people that are anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers. And at that moment I realized, okay, me having reservations about the vaccine 
people don't hear, oh, this is a person who has reservations about it. I really wanted to wait a year. My thing was, let me wait a year and then I'll see how everybody is doing with it. Because my my brother here in LA, he was the first one to get it. As soon as it came out, he was the first one to get it. He also had it though, um, COVID, and it, it was bad. So I understood that. So I was like, let me see, let me, a year after he got it, I will get it. I didn't get to do that, obviously, because it was going to hinder my moves professionally. But then seeing that little, those racist tirades and anti-government, which is so weird to me because you anti-government on one hand, but you don't want to defund the police on the other. Like you don't know that police are part of government. It's, it's just a weird mind trip to see these people move and say the things that they say because it don't make an ounce of sense, right? But I instantly was like, I don't want anybody to equate me with this level of crazy. That is why I got the vaccine. I'm going to keep it 100. I, I did not, I, because I said, there's nothing that I'm going to say if I say anything against the vaccine that is not going to make me make people believe that I'm over here putting tinfoil on my head and, and crazy and want to shoot government, but shoot black people at the same time. Like it's this level of crazy that I just didn't want to be associated with. So that's why I got it. I'm also very pro. If people don't want to get the vaccine, don't make them get the vaccine. So I don't, I don't really believe in this vaccine passport that they're, they're trying to do. I believe in masking. If Okay. Then there's people that say, Oh, well, masking do doesn't really help. Let me be clear. Most of us are are wearing masks that are only going to present um, prevent one percent of the transfer of COVID because most of us are just wearing these cloth, cute, decorative masks. However, if you're wearing that whole, I forget the name of the mask. It's the white one that is like, if you go onto any CDC website, they'll tell you the name of the mask. That one prevents the transmission by like ninety nine percent. But in the cloth mask that you're wearing, you can get this little insert that goes in there. And then that levels you up to, I believe, like 75%. I should probably put all this into the description in case you want to get that. My thing is this. When you put the mask on, it automatically, in some level, at least in my head, creates a level of social distance. Because now that I have the mask on, it makes me aware that we are still in the middle of a pandemic. So that six feet just comes a little bit more naturally. I don't like people running up on me, stay out of my space, all of that. So. Here's what bothers me about the time that we live in right now. It didn't unite us like I thought. We're further divided. And now we are moving towards the vaccine passport. There's some companies here in California that are saying, well, some retail companies and some um, restaurants that are saying, if you don't have the vaccine, you can't get in. You're going to have to start proving that. First of all, we knew this was coming. I don't care who, what side of this you fall on. You had to know that in a capitalistic society, when a virus came in and shut us down to the point where now the government, who's fine and dandy with bailing out big business, has to go and bail out the average American for things like rent, you had to know that they were going to do things to prevent this from happening in the future. It's not about the health of the people. Let me be clear on that. Not about the health of the people. It's about business. And how can we keep business? running, which again, the anti-vaxxers are usually pro-capitalist society. They are very pro-survival of the fittest, but they don't understand that the fittest usually need those who aren't as fit to man the ship. And the fact that they don't get that, you need the workers. And and so this is just a really weird time for me. So I'm just going to say, I don't really care what side of this you fall on. 
I don't care if you believe masks work or they don't. I don't care if you believe in the vaccine or you don't. I'm saying believe what you believe in the house. Because the rest of the society has to figure out a way to to get to some semblance of normal. And we don't need you out there acting a damn fool just to get on the plane. We don't need you acting a fool in the grocery line. We don't need you coming to our schools and saying, my kid, my kid has a beautiful smile when your kid probably looks just like you. And mm, mm. like, we just don't need all of that. What we need to do is figure out a way how we can move forward as a society and keep as many people safe as possible. And if you don't fall on that train, fall on your couch. Stay home. Because at this point, honestly, y'all getting on my damn nerves. The, the truth of the matter is, is nobody knows what we're doing. Can we, just, can we just know that? Nobody saw this coming to this extent, especially us Americans. You know, we vain as hell. We saw it. We saw this happening across the pond. We didn't pay it no attention. Matter of fact, every, every person that I know, now granted, most of my friends are sports fans, we didn't take it seriously until Rudy Gobert got it. 100% I personally did not take it seriously until Rudy Gobert got it because this is an athlete. This is somebody that we feel is in amazing shape. This is somebody that we were told from our president at the time that if you were in good health, you were probably not going to get it. So when Rudy Gobert got it, it was like, oh damn, I'm in good shape, but I'm not in Rudy Gobert shape. Wait a minute. What is this? By that time it was too late. That's our fault. We got to own that a little bit. So whether you like what we're doing or not, you got to own that we didn't do anything right from the jump. And so now we're just scrambling and we are doing, this is what we're doing in this country right now is the definition of the best we can. We trying to get out and not keep everybody in the house. We trying to get back to business as normal. This is the best we can. Agree or disagree in your house. And I, and I mean that. And I know that's like night and day difference from where I started. I told everyone, and I meant that, if stall until you, until you have to get it. If you don't, if you're not like me and you don't have to get it to get your money, then if you want to wait, by all means, wait. And I, and I'm just going to say that because even right now, sometimes, sometimes I'll get like a weird headache and I'm like, Oh my God, the vaccine about to kill me. I'm, I'm telling you, if you can wait and you can maintain your health and you can maintain social distance and you don't have to be in large crowds of people that you don't know how they live in their life, then wait. If you can financially and mentally and socially afford to do that, wait. It's not going to kill you. to. I mean, I don't want to say that because unfortunately, I do know some people who have lost their lives to this virus. And that's the thing. I also know somebody that got it. He has several pre-existing conditions and they told him at the hospital, you're going to make it because you, the vaccine is working and your body is doing what it can to fight this. We're not going to have to put you on a ventilator. We're going to have to keep you at the hospital. And they were at the hospital for two weeks, never had to go on the ventilator, but off the rip, the doctors told him, glad you got the vaccine. We can see that your body is working. We're going to try to do our best to help it along. Again, I know people would say that, well, no, his prob body probably would have. I'm In this case, I didn't lose a friend and I have lost people to this. So I'm going to go off what the doctor said. We didn't lose this friend. That, that's what they said. So that also made it okay for me. But I'm saying for you in your life, do what's best for you. As long as what's best for you doesn't mean I have to see you in public acting a fool. Because I'm tired of seeing it. And it's unnerving, especially when you really start, when it hits home for you, I think it hits different. When you know somebody that's passed away from this, 
it hits different. When you know somebody that's almost, that was knocking on death, death's door, it hits different. So just know that whatever rhetoric you're speaking about, this doesn't work, the vaccine, this and that, you're speaking this from a place that doesn't understand the pain of losing someone who got it. And just keep that in mind when you speak. That's all I got to say about that. Once again, I'm Jackie Ray. Follow me on all things social media at jraythefanatic. This is Backstage. You can hit me on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio app. Don't forget to check me out Monday morning, 9 Pacific, 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Fumble Live. And I will see you next week. Thank you.